what's your secret to scale? Do you have one? What would you put? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I mean, I definitely think that there's um, a formula. You know, the first, the first part of it is like, does it answer those three questions? Is it, is it something that really sucks for you and the world? Like, is it a real problem? Because if it's a real problem that doesn't have a great solution, that's a blue ocean. It's a white space. The category you're category creating, and yes, it's extremely hard to create a category, but when you do, you own it. Hi there, guys. Today we are joined all the way from Austin, Texas by Mickey Agrawal. She has a real piece of work, quote-unquote, apparently, by Seth Godin. Um, and today we're going to talk about two of her books, Disruption being one, no, not the crappy idea of disruption, and actually quite a cool take on what it means to disrupt now. Uh, but certainly uh, another book of hers is Do Cool Shit. Yes, S-H-I-T. Quit your day job, start your own business, and live happily ever after. Now, the questions in this episode that we need to resolve are the following. Is it possible to make a career out of something that you love? How do you march through life with a purpose and get the most out of every single second? Well, Mickey is living proof that it is in fact possible, and she has built a number of $100 million plus businesses and just built some in really interesting and incredible brands. And pay careful attention, guys, to the part of the show where we talk about how all great business ideas come from you. If you think about all the big successful brands, Airbnb, Uber, all this kind of stuff, um, you know, these problems all came from personal experiences, right? And she is no different. She hasn't built an Airbnb or an Uber per se. And we don't really talk too much about disruption in that context at all. But what we do talk about is a formula, a framework that you can use to quit your day job and start a business that you love. And if you are an entrepreneur, pay careful attention to the part of the show where we talk about leadership. Leadership in the sense of how do you know when you are doing a good job or not as a leader. We get into all aspects of raising capital. She's raised capital on more than one occasion. So we get into what she has learned in that process and pay careful attention to the story that she tells about where she got burnt and how not to raise capital. So that's a really big one for you guys. Um, But in general, we just jump around so much. There's so much to get into in this episode. So I don't want to delay this intro too much more. Uh, We did get cut off at the end. So we will get her back onto the show uh, to get into round two because we just scratched the surface. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and after that rocking music, which you know so well now, uh, we are joined by another rock star. Also, I'm, getting a, I'm hitting the main center of the universe in tech at the moment. Mickey uh, Agrawal, welcome to the show. Yay, thank you for having me. Yeah, so you're all the way from uh, Austin, Texas. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, so we were yeah. shooting the breeze, and uh, geez, yeah, I'm looking forward to this uh, this conversation. Um, so <laughs> lots to get into. I'm going to actually bring up your, your book here up on the screen for everybody. Uh, this here book is entitled uh, Do Cool Shit. Whoops, I swore. Sorry, Facebook. Um, yeah, <laughs> Do Cool S-H-I-T. Quit your day job, start your own business, and live happily ever after. That's a cool book name. That's very, very mm-hmm. cool. Tell me, Mickey, um, is that a book you always wanted to write? Um. Actually, it's so interesting because I never thought I would ever write a book. I've always, you know, loved being creative and 
um, and writing. I've always loved writing, but I never thought I'd write a book until I actually met my husband, whose mother is like a 10 time published author. And um, no pressure. And she, and she, she writes, she wrote the book Pop, had a popular idea in 60 seconds. She wrote the book um, Tung Fu, how to disarm, disengage, and diffuse verbal conflict. I mean, she wrote these ep- Never Be Bullied Again, like all these really, really interesting business and self help type books. And she was like, oh, it'd be so great for you. You should write your, your story of how you built your first business because people don't really know how to go from step zero to step one. And I was like, you know, who am I to write a book? I had like at the time, like one restaurant and it just wasn't. But then I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, it could behoove people. You know, I started thinking about all the books that I've read, like Richard Branson's book, Losing My Virginity yeah. was my first book. books I've read. Yeah. I read the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. You know, I read all these awesome autobiographies of these, you know, epic icon entrepreneurs. I read, you know, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, how he built his billion dollars Zappos business. And it was just like, wow, like, you know, these people like have built really cool things, but like in the process of reading their books, I'm like, okay, but like, he's like, and I raised a million dollars and I sold it for a bill. And you're like, okay, but like, what did you say in your first meetings, even raise the first $25,000, let alone the first million dollars. Like, what did you, what email did you send? Like, how did you, when you had the meeting, like, what did you wear? Like, you know, what did you like? Okay. okay so you had a meeting of the minds. Like, how did you actually come up with the idea? Like f- fully baked it out. Like, how did you, you know, like, how did you, like, what did you do when you messed up? Like, how did you actually close the check, like money and, and, collect checks from people. And then what did you do? Like just all the granular details, but through the lens of storytelling. Like I like the idea of like the fast page turning, like shoe, shoe dog. I read it like in two seconds, you know, like losing my virginity. I read so fast, you know? And I was just like, it was a page turner because it was story driven. So I was, so my, in my head, I'm like, okay, so there's two types of books. There's these story driven autobiographies. And then there's these how to start your business and step one to a hundred. And you're like, by page three, you're like, I'm so dead. I can't take this. It's so boring. I'm like, ugh, you know? And so is, was there a way to marry a really fast page turning, fun, engaging book where this Mm. young entrepreneur just sort of like messes up and figures things out on their own and like, you know, or figures it with other people and all the things like exactly what they wore, where they cook at the fundraising dinner parties, how they got their friend's apartment, you know, what email they sent to get investors to come and all the things like um, married with end of every chapter, like here are the five things you can do to raise money. Here are, you know, if you don't even have an idea at all, here are the three questions to ask yourself before starting a business, before starting any company, ask, answer these three questions. And the, if these three questions are like answered thoughtfully and the answer is like a F yes, you know, to these answers, these questions, then, then actually start this business. Yeah. You know? Okay. That's cool. Like that. I'm going to have to ask mm-hmm. you about that, but I want yeah, to, well, I'm happy to tell you the three yeah, questions. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to come back to that though. Cause there's a whole thing. This, this seemingly always comes up on the show about questions, you know, and I have a que- loads of questions for you about questions. So, um, yeah. but, uh, but I want to, you know, maybe go back a step and, um, talk about you. So you mentioned that you started your first business when you were 26, uh, restaurant uh-huh. business. You went on to four, grew that to a sizable business. Um, you know, where did that spark come from? Like, you know, I mean, obviously you're not from uh, Austin, Texas. Um, no. so where did the spark come from? Like, 
why, why did, were you just unemployable one day and you went, you know, screw this, I have to work for myself? Like, yeah. where did that well, start? Well, I'm definitely incredibly unemployable because I have a very strict Indian father from India who's like, you know, and I, and I'm like, anytime someone tries to talk at me, I just like, you know, like yeah, 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 recoil. Yeah. And so, um, basically, uh, I mean, so I'll tell you the three questions cause this is what led to okay. starting the yep. business. So the first question is what sucks in your world? Like what sucks in your world? That's going to be a problem that actually sucks for you or for someone that you know, or just a real problem. What sucks, what sucks in my world? Second question is, does it suck for a lot of people? Because if it just sucks for you, you're just a diva and like, it's not a business, you know, but if it sucks for a lot of people, then it's a huge opportunity to actually solve a problem for many people who it sucks for, you know, what sucks in my world is it suck for a lot of people. And the third question is the most important. Can I be passionate about this particular issue, cause or community for a really long time? Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, I'm going to build the next Instagram and sell it for a billion dollars with 10 employees and hundred million each. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. end it's like, that's like winning the lottery. It's like, you have to be willing to s- like live in the discomfort for 10 years. Mm-hmm. If you're like for the next 10 years, I'm going to do this one thing. Can that still light you up every day to get out of bed with a pep in your step for 10 years? You know, they're saying it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, right? Yeah, It's yeah. like, it takes 10 years to do stuff. And most companies fail. Number one, but number two is, most companies don't have an exit. Most companies don't have an IPO. So are you willing to, with knowing all those facts, because you're so passionate about solving this problem for yourself and for other people, that you can stay passionate about something through the roller coaster of entrepreneurship for at least 10 years? Mm. So a lot of people are like, yeah, that t-shirt company I had, forget that. You know, Yeah, I had this idea of creating the next you know, sock company, because I want to be as rich as the sock people, you know, how much money they've made. And you're just like, that's so inauthentic. And it's so not a reason to start a business. So then you just check in with yourself, like what sucks in my world? So my first business, my restaurant business, I was 25 years old. When I first came up with the idea, raised the money and then opened at 26 was really like a sucky problem in my life, which was having awful stomach aches. Like I just, you know, I used to work. So, so my backstory is, I graduated from Cornell. I, I played soccer all four years, division one. I, I was a total soccer player. And then um, my um, uh, right after college, I got a job in investment banking, working directly across two world trade center, two world trade center was my subway stop every single morning and nine 11 happened. I moved to New York 10 days before nine 11, nine 11 happened, you know, like my subway stop every morning was two world trade. My, I would have tea with my girlfriend who work in the hundredth floor at Aon at two world trade. And I would walk across the street to my office on nine 11, 700 people in her office died. And on that day, two people in my office died. And so it was sort of like this huge wake up call when I was 22 years old, where I was like, Holy shit. The mystery of life is you never know when it's going to end. Like we could all die tomorrow. Like may we literally like, like follow our passions now, or we're just going to like die this boring, safe life. That's just like, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so it was just like, okay, like, okay. So I wrote down three things I want to do with my life. The first was to play soccer professionally. The second was to make movies and third start a business. So then I tried out for the New York magic. We're holding tryouts for soccer, um, tried out for the team, made the starting lineup, made the team. It was like this crazy thing. And then tore my ACL three times, um, in, in a very short amount of time. And so I was just like, okay, um, it's not my calling. 
Then the second thing on my list was make movies. And I love storytelling. I love making movies. I love creative process. I love, I worked, you know, working in, in the film space um, in college. And so I, so I decided to go in the film business and while I was working in the film business, I was working for all kinds of crazy, cool commercials and music videos. Um, all these sets of commercials, and music videos, they had these craft service tables, which is where you would like eat pigs in a blanket and pizza and M&Ms and like licorice and like all this garbage food. Me being an immigrant's daughter, student loan debt. I was like free food. woohoo! Like <laughs> it was my meals, you know, just eat this garbage every day without really understanding how serious that was for my body. And my body was rejecting this food because I grew up eating healthy Japanese Indian food. Like I'm half Japanese, half Indian, Montreal, fresh, organic, everything. And then I just went, came to New York and it was just like processed stuff. And back in the early two thousands, it wasn't really, you know, organic farm to table, local seasonal, like all these, you know, grass fed, grass finished. Like none of those things were even a thought back then. So I just started like, every time I came home after eating all this crappy food, I would just have awful stomach aches. So what sucked in my world, having stomach aches, like, and just coming home every single day being like, Oh, this sucks. And finally I was like, fuck it. I went to like, you know, the internet to auntie Google. And I was like, what is going on with my stomach? And then discovered the massive processed food industry, the bleached flowers, the processed cheeses, the hormone filled cheeses, the processed toppings, sugar filled sauces. Like, you know, that was all the pizza for, as an example that I was consuming. And that's what was making me eat like super bloated, felt feel super bloated after I ate pizza. And that was sort of like that big ding, ding, ding moment that happened for me. It was like my first business. It was like, oh my gosh. Like I learned that one in five Americans are lactose intolerant. One in five Americans eat gluten-free. Like it was sort of like this big realization of like, wow, like I'm not the only one dealing with this painful thing. And yet, you know, pizza is a $32 billion category. Americans eat a hundred acres of pizza every single day. There was like this huge opportunity to disrupt and introduce an alternative to this America's favorite pastime. Yeah. And, um, and so that's when um, I had my first idea for starting slice, which is what the book Duple shit is all about. Raising the $250,000 was like a complete hilarious nightmare to even just, or just, just to create this thing when you've never started a business, you don't know what you're doing. Like trying to raise money <laughs> is, is like ridiculous. Mm. And just the whole story of, building the business from the ground up, having zero clue to actually getting off the ground, building it, like getting a level of, you know, like flow and, and, and success in it um, was what is what do bullshit is all about. Amazing stuff. So much to get into there. Uh, Mickey. Amazing. Um, I wanted to touch on a few things there that you mentioned. Um, I think the first thing I, you, you kind of alluded to, but I wanted to d- double down on is what you said was it takes 10 years to make a quick buck. So I've been saying that on the show for ages. No, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Okay. Well, we say it takes, well, yeah. I say it take, makes, okay. takes 15 years to make a quick buck, you know, because right. nothing takes, you know, like. Right. In my bu- quick buck. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like my, my business is pivot. We've pivoted again. This is the fifth time in four years. So it's right. like, yeah, I mean, it's just, you just learn. and Whatever then you, it takes. Whatever yeah. it takes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it's like. Like I haven't built like a $160 million business or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, obviously the exchange rate messes with things, but certainly it's, that's the ambition, right? Is to just build, I'm curious about how to build things big. 
right? And to your point, take on a hundred and thirty or thirty-two billion dollar category because it sucks and it's not good for people, and that lights you up because you care about people clearly, and you care about making a contribution beyond yourself. So, otherwise, you wouldn't have written that book. So, um, but I think one of the things I've noticed is that there is, and I've spoken about this on the show before, is that there's the Silicon Valley narrative, right, where it's like blah 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 startup raises you know, blah, 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 millions and seed funding and valued this and that. And, you know, bike sharing market heats up and it's another $35 million. I mean, it's retarded, right? Um, And so what it does, it creates this this perception that, well, it's easy. You know, I mean, clearly if all these companies, if you go to TechCrunch, you know, startup section, it's kind of like, well, look at all these companies raising all this money. I want some of that. Um, And what what they, another thing you mentioned was, you know, you raised money. And another thing is like, I, I'd, I'd be petrified to raise money because I'd know then I work for somebody else. Um, and, you know, obviously there's varying degrees there, but it's well, like, you set it up, you set it up in a way where they have no power. Like they're yeah. making investment in you and your business. Yeah. They have no, no board seat. I made that mistake in a really bad way Did in you? one of my companies where I took money and they controlled the board and it fucked me in the end. Really? And so, yeah. And so I definitely learned the hard way, um, on what not to do. And so my current company, it's like, I control everything, control the board. Like you invest my company. Great. You get, you get no say. Hmm. Great. You, know? you can do that. Or you can give yourself 10 X voting rights where you'll never be able to be voted out. Like you can never, you work for yourself no matter what. And tell me what is your, I mean, you obviously raised money more than once. Do you, I mean, do you, what would you say to an entrepreneur like myself? who's a bit skeptical about what that would imply even though you could as you say get 10x voting rights protect yourself as the owner is opm other people's money a good mm-hmm. you know uh, strategy for scale so stay with us we'll be right back hey there i know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience you sometimes get stuck don't you well if you're like me being stuck sucks but what if you could access the minds of over 850 ceos who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second well the good news is you can literally do that today what my team have built is matt brown ai it is trained on all the interviews over 850 of them that i've done to date all my books all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the matt brown show and you you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mapbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. I say always take angels money, angels and yeah. not funds because funds are ruthless. They're in the game of making money. They're in the game of, you know, versus angels are in the game of like supporting passion entrepreneurs who they believe in. And, um, angel investors are basically just people that, you know, with that have money <laughs> or, um, you know, just, yeah, anyone like there's an angel network. There's a lot of angel networks now where there's individual people who are investing. And there's also now places like crowdfunder.com and WeFunder, where if you have a really cool idea, multiple people can invest a thousand dollars each. And all of a sudden mm. you can raise million dollars from a thousand dollar investments, but then it compile, like what they do is they compile into one pool of investors. So you're not like sending like a thousand K ones. You're just it's one entity under wefunder.com. So there's lots and lots and lots of ways now to raise money and control everything. 
So um, can you walk? So me- I, I think other people's money is interesting. Yeah. Still, like even if I we don't necessarily need to raise any more money, I'm still going to always do the OPM rule, other people's money rule, because a it gives other people interest in helping support their business. Um, as long as they're angels that, that I believe in and who I trust. And again, they have no say. So, you so, know, it's fine. So can I run a scenario past you? Because I've mentioned yeah. that I'm moving to the States next year. And, you know, for us, platform technology is, is kind of where we want to go because we've had a very successful services business. We won Africa's Best Tech Startup uh, last year. Went nice. to London Tech Week. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we basically crushed our category. Like, What's the idea? Uh, for the for the services business currently? Uh, yeah. it's It's pipeline generation. So... We basically, funnily enough, use storytelling <laughs> to mm-hmm. basically take technology products to market at scale, generate a whole bunch of pipeline. We've got a sales pre-qualification team. We built on a whole bunch of value-added services. We've got our own technology layer that works with essentially data science to pr- create repeatable results and all this kind of stuff. But cool. having, having, yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a good business. But actually, if I'm honest with you and everybody you mentioned the three questions. One of those things was, is this a business you can be passionate about for a very long time? And, and actually, if I'm truthful with myself and I'm truthful with everybody else in the show, you know, in this particular uh, conversation, I'd actually say, no, I'm not yeah. passionate about lead generation. I think it's a shit business. Um, great. We've done. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's it's a great business. We've done commercially, we've done well, but like I can't scale it because it is services. It's like I I literally have to go to other countries to find new customers because we already work with all the big technology companies. Yeah. So it's like a champagne problem. But then I say to myself, well, let's be practical here. I'm moving to where you are. And um, how's that going to work? Because uh, like you said to me, first thing you said was, what time is it? And I was like, well, it's five. And I was like, what time is it? No, it's 10. So the days don't even overlap. You know, so I'd be yeah. getting up at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. sometimes to get 12 o'clock meetings. So it was ridiculous. So, yeah. but now if you're talking like a, a SaaS product or a market, anything really with some kind of interface, you know, like you can get systems quite quickly. You can automate a lot of things. And suddenly you're, I can actually work three hours a day and not eight <laughs> or 10 mm-hmm. or whatever. So, um, so we're, we're basically getting off that train because I know for a fact, like I've taken counsel, you know, as you do um, from people that I trust. So never, t- never take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, like one of my mentor actually he told me like 18 months ago, he said, dude, just sell it. <laughs> yeah. You just said, there's no way. He's like, I like no- that. I like that quote. Yeah. He's like, there's no way anybody is going to make this run like you. No one. Um, so, and that's what we basically been building is to get off the services train, you know, but going back to you, um, raising money, how would it work? So like the, have you ever heard of the concept of the three? What you're saying, you just said, never take, uh, never take criticism. Yeah. Criticism. People who take, you don't take advice from. from yeah. 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 Um, so, um, so one of the questions I have on my mind, funnily enough, is should I raise capital? Because, you know, one of the things in SAS as an example is the three C's. It's the thing that eats up most SaaS companies. It's it's high cu- customer acquisition costs, churn. So you lose your cost, your subscription base, and then commoditization. So in CRM and and like marketing automation alone, there's like thirty thousand companies, thirty thousand SaaS companies wow. that do the same freaking thing. So yeah, you so know, it's not a sucky problem. No, it's, so, not, it's, like, but, it's like a red ocean. Totally, yeah. totally. So like, if you're gonna go after a market, you go after that market. So if you think you've got MVP, you think you can service this category better than anybody else to your point, you can disrupt it, go and raise capital. But I'm scared of that because of what it implies. So I want to- Well, why do you want to get into a very crowded category? 
Well, I don't. We're not getting into that category at all. Okay, so what are you doing? Can't say. <laughs> I'll tell you off, well, off air. I'll tell you off air. That's what I mean. But um, but okay. I want. Uh, ha- but if let's just say I will, and I will, and I will, and I will, and I will, I will challenge that. By the way, oh, I you think will? people who I Please. challenge that. Okay, go. I think people who keep things to themselves oh, because really? they're afraid other people are going to copy them or take it yeah. is. Um, is not is showing a lack of confidence in your ability to actually make it happen versus like being like, yeah, I'm going to say what I'm doing. Mm. I'm going to tell everyone. And if people want to copy me, good luck. I love competition. Fuck yeah. Bring it on. You know, like Mm. there's a level of like, no one's going to do it in the way you're going to do it. No Mm. one's ever going to do it in the way you're going to do it. Or no one's ever going to start the business in the way I'm going to start the business. So if you want to try and copy it, Mm. go for it. Yeah. You know? So like I'm working on this next business right now. That's super in my opinion, like, um, transformational. It's a revolution. It's, it's a revolutionary concept. And I tell everyone mm. what I'm doing and right. even people who are in the business, I, in the category, in like this area, I tell, I tell them what I'm working on. They're like, Oh my God, how can we support, you know, instead of like, mm. Ooh, let me take it. Like, it's okay. just a hard thing to it's businesses are just hard to start. Like people can mm. be like, oh, I have this, oh, I want to copy it. And then they just kind of piddle off because they don't have the same passion mm. that you have to start it. But guess what's going to happen if you do share your idea with everybody, including on air, people are going to reach out to you. Be like, I have, I have an idea for your idea. What if you did this? I have an, oh, like I'm thinking about something similar, but I'm not going to do it. But here's what you, here's what I think. And I get so many more data points and so many more ideas when I share my top secret idea to everybody, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I just want to challenge you on that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I like being challenged. I'm very compelled yeah. to just vomit <laughs> everything out now, but I want to make the show about you, not about me. Um, so going back to the raising capital thing. So let's, if you know the three F idea, right? So friends, family, and fools, that's what you do to kind of buy yourself some runway when you start. Um, so, um, when you raise money from an angel, for for example, what have you done in terms of like what's in it for them? So are you, obviously, clearly, you're not giving up any equity, right? So, what is in it for them? What do you? No, how, you're giving. What do you mean? You're giving. You're giving up equity. Are you? Okay, there's no way around. No, no. That. no. When you raise when you raise money, you're giving up equity. Okay, but okay. Like you can also do a convertible note where it's like a six percent whatever interest thing, but yeah, like yeah. that's that'll then convert to equity, and so no, 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 like it's an exchange. It's like you invest in me early. I will give, I will, I will like, you know, I'm, I'm raising at a lower valuation than I would ever raise down the road. So like, you know, like right now I'm looking at this company to invest in and they're raising at a $5 million valuation, for example. Right. Mm. And so, at a, and then they're doing a, a sort of a, uh, the first round is at, at a discounted valuation. So with a 20% discount on a 5 million. And so that just basically means that if I invest now early as an early angel, I'll be able to even come in at a $4 million valuation instead of 5 million because it's discounted. Mm. And, and that, and, and for me, like already on a platform business that in a category that I really believe in that they're starting it in the mushroom space, um, I think they have a huge business idea and so it's, it's an exchange. So they set the valuation. I invest whatever I want to invest. I get equity in their business. And then, you know, if their company goes from 5 million to 50 million, I've all of a sudden 10x my business, you know, yeah. Un- until I get diluted a little bit, but yeah. Anyways. And so yeah, there it's, it's, it's an exchange and it's, it's, mm. um, it's always fun for angels. Like for example, my angels who invested in my last company made a 30 X return 30 times. Sure. My current angels for my current company, they're going to make, uh, a 40 X return. 
you know? And so 40 times what they put in, like that's people who came in at the first, my first guy, my first investor, he's going to make 40 times his money. Like that's, that's, crazy. <laughs> that's worth it. So like, yeah. so you basically have to figure out who you want to bet on. Like, it's like, mm. oh, I bet on this person because this person is not going to give up. Like they don't, like, it doesn't matter. They're going to figure it out. They're not going to give up. You know, my first business didn't do very well. Like my restaurant business, like it's, it's for me, it was the hardest one to scale. My next two companies like exploded. My fir- first business are always the hardest one where you're kind of figuring things out. You're not, I was so inexperienced. I was not a restaurateur. I never worked in a kitchen. I didn't even know how to use a knife. Like I, you know, like <laughs> I started a restaurant and luckily I have a partner now and we're starting to pay our, we're paying our investors back every single year piecemeal, but it's not like a 30, 40 X return for my last two, co- like my next two companies were. So, mm. you know, that's, that's the one business where I'm, you know, like we're, we're sort of paying people back as a company, the company's profitable, which is why we're able to pay people back, but we're not giving them crazy. We're not giving them returns. They're so, just getting their money back. So I, yeah. I ran a, a series of events here not too long ago, probably like two years ago. Um, and it was all, it was called secrets of scale. We had about 500 entrepreneurs through the doors and it was all around, well, how do you scale? And the, the subject of funding came up. One of the statements was equity is the most expensive form of funding. So the, 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 the sell philosophically for the entrepreneurs in the room, and you know, which is why I wanted to share it with you, was that if you can bootstrap it, do it, do it yourself. What do you say to, to that? Knowing that you've been on both sides, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think one just takes longer. And if you're again willing to do that, like sometimes it hits and you don't need it, and you're profitable from first sale and you're good to go, then great. Um, it's just an acceleration thing. Like we live in a world where it's like scale more, bigger, and it's like why? Like adding more stress to my life. Like I've done that, and it's 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 like ugh, you know. Versus. Like, yeah, slow and steady, you know, like the turtle wins the race too, beats the hair, the hair is exhausted by day three, you know? And so mm. there's something to be said about that for sure. I think like for those who are cre- category creating, like for example, with Tushy, like we are in bring- bringing bidets to America. Like we are the bidet company in America now. Like thinks my last company, period proof underwear, underwear that you bleed into on your period. You know what I mean? Like every, we've sold millions and millions and millions of pairs of these because it's a real problem for every single woman was a period, you know? And so, um, initially it's like period proof underwear, like a butt washer, like, (laughs) what are you like selling here? You know? And it's like, Uh, people, it's like, I don't think America is going to want to do that. Oh, is poopy going to poopy water going to spray everywhere. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's precise and it pulls the water precisely into the toilet. And right now you're walking around with like literally poop on your butt, like everywhere you go, because <laughs> you're not properly washing yourself. I mean, that is the truth. Oh my you know, God. the analogy, the analogy I always give is imagine if you jumped in your shower, did not turn the water on and just use dry toilet paper. And you're like, I'm clean. I'm clean. <laughs> People are like, what are you like? You smell like you stink. Like, I know the dirtiest part of our body, we're using dry toilet paper and we're smearing it around and sitting on that all day long, literally just letting it fester and stink <laughs> up and cause infection and disease. And it's just disgusting, you know? And I'm so sold. It's like, I'm sold. Yeah. Like wash your ass, people. Like wash it. Wash it clean. Like that you do everything else in your life. Like it's so uh. but this indoctrination is so powerful. Like what this is what I wrote my, my next book, Disruptor, which is mm. the, the book that came out. 
And disruptor is really about how deeply we are indoctrinated to believe certain things and how like money, like time, like, you know, all these things that are so, so made up, like taxes, like our borders. Yeah, it's, it's meant to keep things in order, but all of it is made up. So if we really enter life thinking like, hey, like I can invent any possibility for myself in my life, what could what kind of abundance, what kind of magic could I create from a lens of a fresh, clean slate versus this, I have to be this way and I have to make this money and I have to with this house, the white picket fence and the car and the kids and the wife and, uh, and just have a monogamous relationship. And blah. it's just like, because this is how it is in society. Otherwise I'm going to look as a crazy person. And it's like, who says, you know? And so yeah. this book is sort of that permission slip for, wait a minute, I can look at my love, my career, my family, my money, my stuff like build up of stuff like every single you know charged part of our world that where we're told how we're supposed to be is just disrupted and and then you can reinvent and then you're basically given new tools to reinvent the possibility in every life for like the most abundant magical life possible so that's what disruptor is about cool um, cool is that i really a- believe that yeah, no, I love that. I completely share those views completely. I want to pick up on something that you said, though, um, and it's almost like a theme that's coming out here, is that, you know, if you think about all the great companies, in fact, most companies that I know that have been successful have come from a problem that the founders had. So like Sarah Blakely and Spanx, you know, mm-hmm. Uber, the dudes in Paris couldn't get a, a taxi, Airbnb. It's the best business ever. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Um, and then um, Airbnb, you know, renting out their mattress. So it all it always comes from you. And, and, you know, if you think about this idea that we're banging on about here, which is like quit your job and start a business that you love and live happily ever after, right? Uh, you know, as people sometimes- It happens. It happens. It happens every day. You know, and this yeah. is, it's the why I do this podcast is to encourage people to take that step because it's like, yeah. God, you know, life's short to your point. You were in this corporate trading job, you know, okay, great. You're getting paid well, but like, geez, you know, that sort of event changes your life. Uh, and yeah. your whole perspective on things. And so people, it's like, I, I actually hope that, you know, just by having ordinary conversations with people such as yourself, that people will be inspired to take that next step. Having said that, I think figuring out what that first step is, is important because sometimes people go, well, where's the gap in the market? Like I've been that guy. Like, I mean, like, you know, where's the gap in the market? And funnily enough, podcasting was why I started a podcast because there was a gap locally. There was no podcasts, basically. Um, I was one of the first. Wow, no way. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. It's crazy. But... Thanks in South Africa? Yeah, it's in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. How long have you been running it? Oh, six years now. Five, yeah, going on six years. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, we're slow to, ca- to, to catch on here. But, um, but nonetheless, um, it wasn't enough for me to build a successful business on. I couldn't build like an NPR, right, locally with a podcast business or a podcast media business. It's just, it's just the market doesn't scale here like it does in the US. Um, and so... Have, and the reason why I pivoted so many times is because I'm still searching. I'm still searching for that thing. You know what I mean? I, I think my passion is very much around starting businesses, solving yeah. problems essentially. But I think it has to come from you. That's my point. Yeah. It must come from you. What sucks in your world? Because like, you know the problem. You are your best customer. You are your first customer, right? So you can build it for yeah. you. Yeah. And for me, like having period, having a stomachache sucked in my world, mm. having period accidents every single month, like it was my first time. Like it was like, ah, like it was a mess, you know? And like that sucked in my world. Like having like 
a hyperthyroid condition, which forced me to, which basically a, a byproduct of having a hyperthyroid condition was pooping up to eight times per day. And so that was just made like I rubbed my butt raw. Like it was like red and awful. I had to jump in the shower every single time I went to the bathroom. And then that's when my husband bought me this like crappy Chinese bidet. And I was like, wait, because I thought, you know, I'm half Japanese, half Indian. And I've only thought the super expensive multi-thousand dollar bidets and like plumbing, electrical, all this expensive stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, like I can invent and bring to America the most beautiful best in class affordable bidet attachment that attaches to a toilet for $79 mm. and it'll change your life, save millions of trees, help your like clean you properly, make you feel confident. Like it's just an save you tons of money over time. Like in three months you're paid back. Like it's just a no brainer of a business idea. Mm. And it just was that ding, ding, ding moment where I need to bring this to America. Like, it was sucked in my world, started it with such a painful bottom. Mm. And then it sucks for a lot of people. Everyone with a GI problem, everyone with UT, chronic UTIs, hemorrhoids, anal fissures, anal itching, like all these issues down there, people who are mobility issues who can't, you know, necessarily, you know, use their hand, like, you know, wipe their butts or, you know, things like that. There's a lot of mobility people, people, mobility issues out there, environmentalists, people who just hate killing 15 million trees per year to just wipe your asses with. It doesn't even properly clean you. You know, there's just the gay community. Like there's just so many categories. The women who are pregnant and post-pregnant who basically are super chapped down there, you know, like until they're, they have a baby, like, and they just want to have soothed with nice fresh water instead of dry abrasive paper, you know? And so like, there's so many use cases for this, all the gadgets and gizmos first and early adopter types, like, um, you know, people who've traveled to Asia and came back and you know, people who are expats who live here, they're like, where are the bidets, you know? And so there's just a huge, 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 it sucks for a lot of people. Mm. And so, and I'm super passionate about saving the planet. I'm super passionate about the global sanitation crisis. To date, we've helped 60,000 families gain access to clean toilets in India through wow. our partnership with Samagra, you know, with, um, every purchase of Tushy bidet, um, you know, goes to building out these clean toilets in India. We've helped 60,000 families mm. gain access to clean toilets. We've helped save 2 million trees from getting flushed down the toilet. I mean, like I can be passionate about that for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah, totally. So, I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was, I mean, so, so many of us wind up in, with businesses that we hate because the problem sometimes changes because it's kind of like, you know, you think when you start your business, you're going to solve this problem. I'm not saying that this is an exception here, but in many cases, you start a business because you just want to get out of where you are. So you choose, mm -hmm. you go out there, and then the problem moves, markets move. So like for us, we were doing content for for like technology companies, and then suddenly it became lead generation because that was where the opportunity was, and there was no one there, and we just basically ate it all up. And then the problem moved, and so the problem always, always moves. And so what you can find yourself in, in a situation in rather, is that you may be in a business that you hate. So your hunger mm -hmm. for it leaves, your passion for it leaves. Um, mm -hmm. In your experience, what, 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 would you what would you like to say to an entrepreneur who is in that position? Um, I would then say find a passionate person who wants to continue this business on, give them stake in the business. Like, you know, for example, a percentage vesting over four years, you know, with a one-year cliff, which just means they have one year to prove themselves. And if they suck within the first year, they don't get any equity. Mm -hmm. But then the one-year cliff just means at one year, they get a quarter of the percentage. So, so if they like 
for example, like I gave my CEO for Tushy 10% of the business for Tushy, right? Vesting over four years, the one year cliff, you know? So he's been doing an amazing job. And so he's now been with us for two, over two years. Um, and so now he, of his 10%, he's already has 5% vested. And so he has two years to go. So by the time of the four and say like next year, he decides to leave or he does or doesn't work out or something happens, then I still have that equity to give to somebody else. Mm. So you're not just going to give away equity to somebody else at all up front. You, you make them vest over a certain period of time and you give them a, a year cliff so that they have to prove themselves before they get any equity. If it's 11 months and they suck and you're like, you know what, you know, I, I don't want, this isn't working out. They can, you can, you cannot, you cannot, you can just let them go at 11 months and they don't get any equity. So, you know, there's, you likely know well before that, but sometimes it takes longer to really, really kind of get to see someone's performance. So, um, and also people like me takes a long time for me to fire people. And I've learned that lesson, hire slow, fire fast, hire slow, fire fast. Anyways. Um, but, uh, so anyway, so yeah, I, I definitely think that it's, um, like it's great. You'll find somebody who is passionate about this. And if not sell the business, close it, you know, move on. Life yeah. is short. What's your secret to scale? Do you have one? What would you put? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I mean, I definitely think that there's um, a formula, you know, the first, the first part of it is like, does it answer those three questions? Is it, is it something that really sucks for you and the world? Like, is it a real problem? Because if it's a real problem, that doesn't have a great solution. That's a blue ocean. It's a white space, the category you're category creating. And yes, it's extremely hard to create a category, but when you do, you own it. Like we owned period underwear. Like now there's so many copycats are coming. Like it's hilarious. Mm. You know, we owned the bidet market in the U S and now everyone's trying to build the bidet company, but we are first mover advantage. We've, you know, we we're the most trustworthy. We've the, the best in class product. So so my, I have a three-pronged thesis on changing culture and building a massive business. The first is, has to be a best-in-class, one-of-one innovation. Best-in-class, one-of-one. So it means that it can't be one of many. You can't be like race to the bottom of competing with other people, one-of-one. And best-in-class is in like, it can't be just like, eh, it's good enough. It has to be freaking excellent. It has to be best-in-class, excellent product, one-of-one in the category. No, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is um, it has to be delivered in a really artful way. Art sells. Art doesn't sound even just art sells. Art pulls at your heart in a different way than an advertisement or marketing. It's if, if you look at art, when you go to a museum or you walk around in nature or you're looking at art, it, it moves you. And so if you can make something like you know, if you looked at all of my ads for things, you looked at all, you know, a lot of the stuff for Tushy, like it's artful. It's like interesting. If you go to hellotushy.com, go to my homepage, my website, the first image is like the slip and slide. Like it's not just like a bidet spraying, you know, it's like this kind of artful thing. It kind of looks interesting. You know, don't go to tushy.com. It's a very graphic porn site. Go to hellotushy.com, by the way. <laughs> oh shit. Um, yeah, yeah. Hellotushy.com. Yeah, yeah. I'm on your website now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like using art to really deliver a message in a way that's not just like, this is a medical device for your toilet. You know, it's a, it's like a, it's not like, it doesn't feel like you're going to a device, a toilet device website. It feels like you're going to this fun lifestyle, cool experience where it's just like fun, 
you know, so it's, it's sort of like when you go, if you read the copy, it's just funny. Like if you mm. read, like if you just go through the pages and you'll just be find yourself chuckling throughout the whole website. And so that's what brings me to the third point. So first is best in class, one of one product Two, is it artful? Is it beautiful? Is it, is it a considered design across every touch point of your brand? Because if you just are trying to put as many words to the page as possible and trying to advertise and you're like, I call it like, I don't have breathing room. Like I need to have space on the page art. Like I want to be able to look at something like, and feel like I have spaciousness to think about it and breathe into it and feel like I'm looking at art. So, you know, is it, is it so best in class product? Is it um, artful across every touch point of your brand? And third, is it accessible, relatable from a language perspective, mm. the way we text, the way we write about our product, our new idea is like we're texting our best friends. Think about how you text your best friends. You're funny, you're silly, you're not, you're kind of careless. You kind of like emojis. You're just like kind of not really like super, like, I wonder what my customer wants me to say. Like, what do you want to say from your heart and say it? And like, and say it from that way. Like I know our, our, our current website's a little, like it's a little, and now we have the cool, you know, best in class, like, uh, you know, that makes turns your restroom into the best room. That's a, like, you know, it's, it's cute. It's fun. Um, I, I'm, I've even challenged my team to make it even more from the heart, like even more like, so now we're launch, we're relaunching a lot of our stuff right now. Like we have new pages launching that are just really like from our guts, from our heart. And, and so best in class product, one of one, is it artful? Does it make, because if it's artful, it, it opens your heart to be like, Oh, let me look closer if it's relatable and accessible from a language perspective, like you're texting me, like my best friend, Oh, it makes me lean even closer. So you're just, it just, it's like people look at it from the wrong angles versus looking at it from like, what moves my heart? What move, what makes me feel like a kinship, like a friendship. If you go to our social media, at hello tushy, if you go to our, our hello tushy Instagram. It's so funny. It's so fun. It's just so relatable. It makes you feel like you like us. Like you just like us, you know? And it's, like we have this VP of Fecal Matters character who's just amazing, who just do, does these hilarious videos. Like we have me, it's just, it's just a fun space to be in. Like, you're not like, I'm shopping for a toilet product. You're like, oh my God, what are they saying this? What poop joke are they saying this time? Like, you know, it's just like, it's just fun. And, and, and when we talk to our friends, it's just fun. We're not selling them anything. We're not talking. We're not like hard selling. We're just, it's just fun and silly and goofy and like, ourselves authentically ourselves like when you're looking at it it's fun it's like it, it tickles you it's like it's artful it's beautiful it's spacious it's like it's fun oh, you I know just, i just read one on your page it's hilarious a home ain't okay. shit without your ass with your ass essentials <laughs> essentials yeah the essential bundle oh, that's, <laughs> hilarious. that's cool yeah like it's just fun. You know, it's like, we don't take ourselves so seriously when it comes to business. Sometimes like when it comes to money and business, mm. it's like, we just like get, like we get so like squeezed about it because we're, it's like our whole being is associated with this. And if we fail, like we're going to lose face and what are people going to say? And it's like this, this game of like, it's so stressful because it's just so about losing face and fear of failure and fear of looking bad. And, just the fears that society has put on us, which is why I wrote my book, Disruptor. If you just get rid of all that societal air yes. that we're breathing, that's yeah. telling us how to think and be, it's just like fun. It's mm. like, cool. I have this idea. Like, 
ooh, you know, like, oh, oh my God. Oh my, I have this, like this funny thing I want to say, like, what about this? Like, ooh, oh, I, I came up with this thing where it's like a slip and slide for your ass. Like, what do you think? Like, you know, like, let's try that. Like, you know, and it's just kind of fun and funny and silly and it's not. Yeah. And, and you could tell, like, as a customer, when you're reading it, you're like, oh, these guys are like, they're not like selling me a product. Can you please buy it? Uh, you know? <laughs> Like, or I can't, what am I going to happen? It's like, all right, cool. They love this thing. It's uh, fun. Like they make it get, I, like it's, I want, I love this. So fun. Like I'm going to support it. Like, so it's funny, you know. but you're touching on such a crucial thing. I mean, obviously with C19, like a lot of businesses didn't make it. Um, and yeah. you know, I remember my first business failure when I, I mean, I started my first business when I was also in early twenties. And funny enough, I shot the lights out. It was a record label and, you know, just did really well out of it. It was at the time when, you know, digital downloads became a thing and we were first. So, um, yeah, and then I sold that and I thought I knew it all. Like I thought I was invincible, you know, and so luckily the universe is going to fix that for me. Uh, Yeah, man. And then I went, I was like, cool, now I'm going to like inspire PR, write about it in my book. Um, And uh, anyway, so I'll actually get a copy sent to you. Um, yeah. yeah, man. And, um, anyway, so long story short, it failed. Um, you know, yeah. a 26 year old can't teach other like grownups about, you know, life because you haven't really lived yet. <laughs> As it turns out. As it yeah. turns out, you know, but just don't say anything to anybody right about that one. That was a big lesson for me. And so, um, yeah. yeah and so I failed, man. And, um, and I took that personally. I was like, well, I like to your point, like, you know, and I could, I'm a failure. Arr! Like it was what exactly yeah. like that. I was that guy and, you know, and, um, and it's I've been there too. Don't worry. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. Um, but you know, you have to be there to know that that's actually not what you you know yeah. mean to do. And so, and also, also, just before you, yeah, just, yeah, I was just going to say, like that failure and that painful moments expands our emotional capacity. Like we can feel the depths mm-hmm. of sadness and anger and pain and like you know, and, and fear and, and shame and all these things that we were never able to feel before. So now if other people are going through that, you can feel that with them. You now mm-hmm. have the capacity to feel what other people feel in a deeper way than you never would have had you not failed. Totally. You know, like you can now meet people at their level emotionally before, instead of being like, chop, chop, get through it. You're fine. Cause I'm sure yeah. like if those who don't go through these painful moments where they self doubt and they, you know, they're like, Oh my God, am I worthy? Like, am I, am I, am I ever going to succeed again? Like, was that just one and done? Like all these things, right? Like you, you kind of have these thoughts and now you're like, no, like, no, like I've been there. Like, let me tell you, like, like you can get through, like you now have this, this data point, this point that you can reach that's Mm. different. And that's that, that different than you had before because you went through something really hard. So I always value the really painful, dark times mm-hmm. in the moment. It sucks. Totally. But then after you can meet people at their despair in a different, more poignant way. And I love that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I learned on the show is that your breakdowns are always your breakthroughs. Um, yeah. And you know, that, that, I mean, I wouldn't trade that ever. If someone said to right? me that, yeah, man, here's a time machine, go back to that day Ugh. and take all your knowledge with you and fix it and be a success. But you won't have that, that learning. You won't know what it feels like to, to truly fail. Um, and like with like literally fail and go from here to zero in your own world, which is crazy. Um, and, um, and I would never change that because now, you know, I don't, I, I fear 
the people that a failed business will affect, I don't fear a business failing because I know that when a business fails, it's not me that failed. It's, it's the learning, business. Yeah. It's just the business. It is an yeah. entity. It's like a legal totally. document. So what? Who cares? A hundred percent. And also like in my book, Disruptor, I talk about how, like, let's just eliminate the word failure completely. People are like, fail forward and fail fast. Like, no, no, let's not even use that word. It's a negative word. Just say revelation. Like what has been revealed to me mm. from this experience? Like, you know, like I, I share the story of the scout who basically a scout is somebody who walks into a forest and, you know, before like leading a big troop of army or, you know, somebody across an unknown path. And so the scout goes ahead, oftentimes alone into the unknown territory and they'll run into a ravine. They'll run into bears chasing them. They'll run into fallen trees. They'll run into all kinds of things. Do they turn around and be like, I fail. no, so just go like, Oh, this was a path. Wow. What an adventure this was like, wow. I saw some cool things. I'm going to go a different path. Oh, wow. That path ran into a dead end. Okay, cool. That was interesting. Like I'm going to go different, like, but, but guess what? It's an adventure. And then it comes back and finally, eventually finds the path, the other side of the crossing mm. goes back and leads the army through. And it's like, mm. That's it's like do, do do other animals ever say like a monkey climbing and reaching a tree like can't reach, just get a, a banana is it like I failed it's like it'll never like we're the only species that you know is evolved enough to say something like that but it's like why like why even mm. go there it's like you know move through yeah. it quickly that's yeah. funny because it's true though right it's funny yeah just reveal true. like what has been revealed to me in this process what mm -hmm. what what have I learned like mm -hmm. what is how have I grown from this like what will I not do again. Like, how did I expose myself in a way that I shouldn't have? Like, how was I too trusting? Like, how was I, you know, too naive? Like, what was, what, what were the things I did that, mm. like, what, what is my postmortem? Let me write down all the things that I fucked up in or that were fucked up in the situation. And let me, let me learn. Yeah. Let me grow. Yeah. I want to talk about leadership in, if, if you don't mind for a second, Mickey. Um, yeah. So like. Pressure is hectic, right? I mean, I don't think when you're an employee, you really understand what pressure means, um, because yeah. the like it's when you know. So I say that you know, a business doesn't start when you found the business. It starts the day that you hire someone, because then you know <laughs> it's got absolutely nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Um, and you know, as I said, you know, it, businesses die all the time. You mentioned it as well. So as a leader, you're always trying to protect the downside and it's like, it comes with pressure and pivoting. It's like that I pulled, I basically shut down the entire services business for the whole day today and took all 40 people, put them into a boardroom. And I was like, this is now what we're doing. So I didn't care what you need to do. And it's like, you know, leadership is hard because Pete, you have to, you have to believe that it's possible because if you believe that it's possible, you give them permission to believe in it as well. Um, yeah. and so, and, but a lot of people, it's like their battle, like you mentioned it, like insecurity, fear, doubt, et cetera, like this, is this the right move and da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And so we, we're kind of wrestling. Change, change is so hard. Oh, dude, people. it's so hard, man. But I wanted to, um, pick your brains about leadership. How, you know, yeah. how, what is your leadership style look like? How would you characterize it? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I would say I'm just truthful and passionate and, um, you know, I learned, I learned from my last company, you know, I fired people very quickly in a way that, you know, might've been a little insensitive. And then they retaliated in this crazy way, accused me of absurd things that didn't happen, tried to legally shake me down for money, like all kinds of stuff. So I've learned really tough lesson, which was to 
put people um, in place in leadership positions who are professionals in their respective arenas so that, um, and who are, who are capable of um, pivoting quickly. Like you have to understand who's agile and who's not. And so, you know, my mistake, my last company was I didn't put senior leadership in place enough. Like I had a bunch of young people running around thinking, like you said, they're hot shit, you know, like Mm. you think you're invincible when you're young, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't go through life experiences that really, really are painful. So you just think that, you know, everything. Mm. And that's really hard when you have only those type of people working for you without a senior leadership group of people. So with my current company, like total senior leadership in place, people have tons of experience, like 20 years experience, my CEO, I put, put in place. And then you have to like, when you're interviewing, you have to really listen for it. Are they willing to pivot? Are they so precious with their own ideas and thoughts? Mm. Like if they have a thought or idea and it doesn't get picked or doesn't get through, how precious are you with it? And if you're a type of, you can kind of, by asking certain questions, like you can kind of get how precious they are with their ideas and thoughts and beliefs And those are the kind of people you want to stay away from Mm. because people who are not agile and not willing, especially when it's a startup, when you're just zigzagging until you figure out the right path for your company, people are slow to do that. And they talk shit, they cause cancer. They make, they make it worse than people who are just like, listen, I get it. This is freaking hard. Like, you know, Mm. I like, this is not, this is not an easy, like, like business, to, like it, it's like the fact that, you know, he has to move 40 people into his office and have this conversation probably wasn't easy to do because I'm sure like he's doing it with us, with the best interest of ours at heart. And those who don't see that are just not thinking like this or thinking myopically. Mm. And so that's the kind of people that I would be very cautious to hire or to continue on with a business who are not willing to be agile and not willing to understand a perspective if it's explained in a certain way. And of course, like we have this no triangulation rule where it's like, if you talk shit about someone to me, then I know that I'm not safe that you're talking shit about me, about me to them. So it's like, if you have something to say, say to their face, if we want to all solve it together, let's solve it in the room, no triangulation. Mm. And so, so like it just creates unsafety. And I've been reading this book called crucial conversations which is just about like, you know, the most important thing is to create safety in the room. And if there's no safety, then it breaks down. Like people read things wrong, read the room wrong, read what you're saying wrong versus like creating a real safe space. And, and I think that's something that I've had to learn because sometimes when I'm super passionate, I just like, I steamroll, I get so excited. I want to do this and I want to do that. Oh my God. And, and people are slower to move. So that's why I put a CEO in place with 20 years experience for this company, because he is slower. He is, he can then go and disseminate the information to the team in a way that's more stomachable than me being like, rah, 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 let's go, you know? And that I learned is not necessarily, that works for some people mm. who are super like me, but it doesn't work for some people too. And so, um, I think like a slower and steadier CEO lasts, like gives more longevity to like a team of all types of people 
than a consistently passionate. That's why like I'm the chief creative officer of my own company. Like I'm the founder. I own the bit, most of the company, but like my title is chief creative officer because I have to come in and like blast people with ideas and, and kind of critique and do all that. But I'm not necessarily doing the, are you good? How do you feel? 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 Like, I just don't have that patience for that. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's not about, it's not about trying to be somebody you're not. Like, mm. I know who I am. I try to be somebody I'm not before by being like, wait a minute, but I, but I am like kind of slow, I guess sometimes, but it's like, no, I'm not. I'm a, I'm just a high octane person. So, but because I know that about myself, let me put somebody who's calm, who's senior, who's got experience at Amazon for 10 years, who's like a legit CEO type, executive type in place. So then he can be like, how are you feeling? Oh, you want to have a conversation with me? Step into my office. Let's talk. What can I do? What, how are you doing? What's going on? And I don't have to be in those rooms at all ever. Cause I'm such an empath. Like I'm a creative and I yeah. take on everyone's shit like emotionally. And I just can't, I just have to put that shield on me. And mm. I learned that the hard way. Mm. I learned that from my a challenging, tough experience. Yeah. So it's beautiful. It's all, it's all learning. It's all information. Yeah. That's a great point. The, probably the big one I'm busy learning at the moment is that don't have managers in leadership positions. So (laughs) that's a bad example, a bad idea. It's really bad. You want managers to implement the visionary and the visionary needs to be thinking he was like, he is connecting the dots, you know, exactly. And that's what my CEO and COO know that I'm, they, they, they know that I'm the visionary and they're not trying to be the visionary. They want to go and lead the company in a really clear way and make it very organized, but they're not competing with me. Mm-hmm. At my last company, I had a lot of junior people competing with me energetically. And it was just like, ah, you know, and it was too much. Whereas now it's like mature people in the room. There's no one competing with me. Everyone's working together. We all know our role. We've all figured out how to make it where everyone's cool and happy. Like it works. Like I learned all of this from having a really like, uh experience my yeah. last time, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Mickey, just co- co- cognizance of time. Is it two quick yeah, questions? I, I do have to go. I do have to go. Oh, you Actually, do have I'm to go. Like four minutes and four minutes behind. Oh, just shit. Okay, okay, cool. All right. Well, look, I'll tell you what, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I'd love to get you back on in next part yeah, two. Let's, let's do round two. Let's keep going. Cool guys. Thank I'm you. Super- Thanks, Mickey, for being on the show. I know I've been keeping you too long, but uh, thank you. Amazing. And if you have any, if anybody listening has any questions, I'm pretty good at DM on Insta. So just find me on Insta. You'll just add it to the show notes. And and also check out hellotushy.com. It will change your life. (laughs) Clearly. Thanks for listening to the Matt Brown Show, guys. Don't forget, you can catch me on all social media platforms for the latest updates, news, and a show history. So if you've been catching this on the podcast, please head on over to our YouTube channel and pound that subscribe button. It would be great to catch the video version there. And if you want a free copy of my number one Amazon best-selling book, your inner game for free right now today. You can grab that on mattbrownshow.com forward slash ebook.
Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.